reality is 90% of products are not going to be the best groundbreaking product in a space. So the nice part about Amazon is we're in a fortunate spot where most of our competition is also not doing an amazing job, totally optimizing their listings, doing a really good strategic advertising strategy. Like a lot of that isn't really taken into account and done well. So even if that product market fit isn't perfect and ideal, and we can't be carried on that success there, we can do a lot of the rest of it and still come up with a really, really good result in the long term by building on that, just from standing out in that way at least compared to the competition. Wrong size, wrong color, didn't look right in the living room? There are hundreds of reasons your customers return products, but returns don't have to be goodbyes. They can be an opportunity to complete the shopping experience. Built exclusively for Shopify, Loop lets you create a delightful return experience to attract and retain more customers. By making it easy for your customers to find products they love, they'll come back again and again. See why thousands of Shopify brands like Allbirds, Chubbies, and Brooklinen trust Loop as their return partner at loopreturns.com DTC. It's all killer, no filler. I'm Eric. This is the DTC Podcast. And today we're here with uh, the Pilot House Amazon team and my uh, co-host in training, Cam. And this kind of came about because we did a podcast at All Killer No Filler last week or the week before, and it featured the pilot program, uh, which was a program that, that focuses on paid social that's all about you know helping brands kind of get off the ground quick. It's aimed at smaller brands um, who have good product market fit but uh, don't have a lot of performance marketing chops. And so we just thought, like, why don't we actually highlight some of the entry-level opportunities uh, with other teams at the Pilot House side. And I think that, so that led us to Amazon. So welcome to the uh, the podcast, guys. Rob, from a high level, how do we think about the size of the businesses that kind of come to work with us? What are the stages? So you can really think about, there's, there's two sides of the stage they're at. And then those two things combined really create where they're at in the spectrum. Um, that's where you're at on Amazon and where you're at as a brand as a whole. So for example, if you're a brand new brand, no presence, and you want to launch on Amazon, that's that's one approach. If you're a very established brand, you're spending a bunch on Meta or anything on Meta, driving some revenues to your DTC or Shopify site, that's a different stage. And that's every sp- different spectrum. And the way we'll approach Amazon and how hard you can hit Amazon, how efficient you can hit Amazon, depends where you at, where you're at in both of those buckets. I'm just interested, Clifford, what's the smallest uh, you've worked on a brand versus the biggest it ended up becoming? Wow, that's a good question. Um, We've started some in the last couple of years from, I would say, basically zero um, companies that have come to us with a new brand idea or this was an entirely new brand that hadn't been on Amazon before and they've maybe sold a little bit like online but not really much of a presence. Um, and de- depending on the space, we've gotten those, I think, up to be seven-figure annually brands now, like six-figure monthly, seven-figure annually um, brands within the last couple of years, at least a few that I'm thinking of. <laughs> That's got to be rewarding. And I guess, it, like, it, you know, this is the same reason we just had Unilever uh, at our mastermind talking about how they're kind of launching products using Amazon as a test ground kind of with, with the Pilot House team. These are products that don't have a lot of track record. So it feels like Amazon is kind of actually um, maybe one of the easier environments or one of the, the most beneficial environments to be launching products that don't have a huge track record because you already have the audience buying things there. It can be a good initial testing ground because you do have 
bottom of funnel traffic that has identified pain points and they're searching keywords trying to buy a product. Like they've already made a decision that they're trying to find a solution for. From that side of things, it's great. The next step from that, I think you want to move very quickly on in terms of if you're seeing good signs and you're seeing initial results, then it's like, okay, you've kind of proven some product market fit. You've proven there's demand. Now go support that Amazon growth with a whole bunch of external DTC efforts. So yeah, meta, Google, email, like build a brand, start organic, do socials, like really make a go at building a brand. But if you want to test a testing ground, Amazon is, is really good for that still. And then in terms of the brands Pilot House works with, limited revenue, you know, ad dollars, the ones that aren't ready, we're not likely, you know, the ones that are just starting out the very, very, you know, very, very early stages don't have product market fit. Those aren't going to be a great fit. But what does, like when you say proven sales, uh, they may have limited resources. What, what does a company like that look like? What does proven sales, but like low volume look like enough to be like, okay, let's, let's jump on this. Yeah. So even if you're generating, say like 15,000 a month, $20,000 a month in revenue on your Shopify site, it could be a good time to look at Amazon. It, it does depend on what sort of investment you want to make and really how hard you want to dive into Amazon. Because at that stage, you can say, hey, you know what? I have some additional budget and I really want to make try and scale Amazon. Or you can say, I know we're building a lot. There's brand aware traffic there. And I know there's bottom of funnel traffic. So I just want to capture that. Like I want to plug that hole in the bucket. So then from that approach, you can just build a really optimized listing, build some light PPC and capture the sales. Or you can be a little bit more aggressive with it and say, I want to invest a little bit more. I want to grow a little bit more. I don't need to be total, totally efficient or profitable on those initial Amazon sales, but I want to make it a, a significant part of my channel mix. What's the difference in the startup sort of uh, workload for someone you're starting from scratch on Amazon versus someone who's already on Amazon seeing results and needs a new partner? I, I imagine it's about the same because you probably end up do it, redoing a lot of the work uh, that, that was done in the first place. What, what do you say about that, Clifford? That's relatively accurate. A lot of it is very similar because a lot of that comes down to how well their Amazon presence is built out, of course. If a lot of it's already really good, we don't need to redo it. But most of the brands who end up coming to us, we just have to basically overhaul everything anyways. To be honest, once they've been on Amazon for a while, it's typically more work than actually starting fresh because we have a very clear, like, thought out, plan of attack and strategy to go from nothing to something. Um, but from once they're in a certain specific spot, you kind of need to digest all of their existing campaign data, all of their old advertising data, get an idea of where they're ranking for all these different keywords and form a more tailored, like custom fit strategy that works well with that. You don't want to just like throw the baby out with the bathwater and get rid of all of that data that they've accumulated over that time. You want to leverage that to have your new ads do better if you are going to rebuild ads. So um, a lot of the time, the existing ones are typically more work. I'd, I'd usually rather start fresh. Also, you run into a lot less usually uh, Amazon-related fun flags and problems when we're making the listings ourselves rather than random backend issues that have accumulated over time and some attribute flags you and takes down your listing for a week or something like that from stuff that's been on Amazon for a couple of years. So you've got you've got brands that have product market fit, even as little as say fifteen, twenty thousand dollars a month in sales, five you know, five feet low five figures of sales, looking at making an investment in uh, you know, a team that has a lot of knowledge, has done this a lot before. How should these brands be thinking about the retainers? I, I know Pilot House generally likes to have a 
a, a time retainer and a, a performance retainer? How does it work on the Amazon side with, with the with the costs? We do have a few different models that can be sort of suited to, to brands at different stages. Um, we have a standard retainer model, which is a, a flat fee every month, uh, and then the variable performance incentive. That's for our managed, like full scope managed services, which is we you basically give us the keys, we do everything for you. So all your backend listing management, uh, titles, bullets, SEO, advertising, building out the store, uh, images, A-plus content. And then we do offer advertising-only packages, which are a lower fixed fee model because we're just managing the advertising. Typically, we only do that, or we do only do that if the brand has the creative in place to really support it. And we identify that that's not a weak point uh, because ultimately, if that's a weak point, then we want to fix that and make sure we're maximizing the ad dollars because advertising is always expensive. And then for brands that I kind of spoke to, ones that maybe just they want to make sure they're plugging that hole in the bucket, but they're not worried about scaling Amazon, we do builds as well. So we'll build out a fully optimized listing, all the the images, A-plus content, um, titles, bullets, and kind of give that to you. And then you're at least starting with the best possible foundation. And from there, you can maybe do some light advertising or at least capture those those customers that are, might be bouncing to Amazon after seeing a meta ad. And the builds are sort of like a one-time a la carte deal generally? Yes, yeah, generally. And I mean, be transparent, the hope there is that we set you off on a good place, you go away, you build up some additional revenue, you build in a little bit of budget, and then you come back when you're ready like, hey, I got it to X, I need help getting it from X to Y and like really scaling this thing. Um, that's the ultimate goal, but yeah. When you're meeting brands, new brands, well, I'm interested, you probably go through a lot of discovery uh, as to the ones, you know, obviously with, with Pilot House's model, you know, your team is incentivized with the more, the more success you're able to have. So obviously you're looking for the, the biggest wins possible, win, win, win all the way down the chain. Uh, what are some of the red flags you'd see to be like, okay, this, this, this could be a challenging brand. This could be a brand that, or, you know, might be, might be trouble. Yeah, I'm sure Clifford's got a, a few more here. The biggest one I look for is profitability. So that usually comes down to, to margin. So understanding where's the break-even point and where do we have to be from an efficiency perspective to actually generate profit for the brand. Um, being unprofitable is fine for a certain period of time, but is not sustainable in the long term. Uh, and I want to be very transparent and upfront with brands that we work with in terms of where that point's going to be and what it's going to take to get there. Because that's how you're going to build the strongest relationship moving forward is if you both know what you're working towards. I don't want to stand here and say, hey, we'll be profitable from day one. And then you get mad or a brand comes back and they're angry because they're losing money. It's we want to figure that out before we start an engagement, figure out what the path, figure out what the goal, what the benchmarks are, what the early indicators are to success and then work towards that success together. And then Clifford, to you on the flip side, what are some of the things, so if, if there are listeners out there who are engaging uh, conversations with agencies, what are some of the red flags that they should be looking out for to be like, oh, that's, that's, you know, probably don't want to work with these guys. Oh my God. So many. Um, but first on that is that one of the benefits that we, it's, it's a plus and a negative, but as part of the way that we structure our deals with brands is our real profit at the way our like the agency profits as a whole comes from that brand performing. So we will try to be and try to like pull out the crystal ball the best we can and try to predict if this is going to be successful. And I think a lot of the time that means turning down quite a few that we think like this just isn't going to work out because the path there just isn't clear. 
if there is not a big a good product market fit. So I think on the flip side of that, a lot of agencies are just going to say, "Hey, this is great. Like we could take you on at this percent of spend or this large fixed monthly cost and get it to this X amount that they promise and you never actually get to or this dream efficiency that you never actually get to. Um, so I think like actually taking that into account and really looking at it seriously and your place in the market is really important. And I think that's, I'm uh, always the pessimist to Rob's optimism when it comes to when we uh, talk to new brands about things. But I'm very, very pessimistic about most things on Amazon because every time I'm going to just go search up that keyword, that main word that they're looking for. And I'm like, look, there's nine other products that are exactly the same and they're cheaper. This is going to be an extremely difficult route to get them up to be a top seller in this niche. Whereas some other ones might be like, they very clearly have some differentiator that makes them so much better. They're worth the extra money or they're going to stand out from the crowd. Um, This will work really well. Let's really go after this one. So like there is definitely a big uh, difference in how successful you can be right off the bat from from just how good that product market fit really is. I'm just curious, have you ever brute forced one? Have you ever have you ever had one that was like maybe not the most perfect product market fit, but they stuck with it and they became a category leader? Of course. Reality is 90% of products are not going to be the best groundbreaking product in a space. So the nice part about Amazon is we're in a fortunate spot where most of our competition is also not doing an amazing job totally optimizing their listings, doing a really good strategic advertising strategy. Like a lot of that isn't really taken into account and done well. So even if that product market fit isn't perfect and ideal and we can't be carried on that just success there, we can do a lot of the rest of it good and still come up with a really, really good result in the long term by building on that. Um, just from standing out in that way, at least, compared to the competition. If you're in a niche that's ultra competitive, things like um, you know, like supplements, protein powders, things like that, um, you'll run into that's that's much harder to do because the top competition in a lot of those niches are they're doing usually a pretty good job. You can you can look at those listings, you can look at their advertising, and they're they're usually doing a pretty good job there because of the LTV of those customers. They're a hardened target, as we say in the military iOS 14.5, the infamous Apple update left D2C brands struggling to find and market to the right audiences. That's why hundreds of D2C brands are turning to Black Crow AI to boost their holiday marketing. Their plug and play machine learning technology measures in real time every visitor's likelihood to buy. You can then use these predictions to build predictive audiences for retargeting and prospecting. In short, Black Crow AI can significantly boost ROAS by helping you specifically target people who will actually want to buy from you. Find out why brands like Magic Spoon, Barabee, and Liquid IV are using Black Crow AI to supercharge their holiday marketing efforts. Visit blackcrow.ai slash DTC to request a 30-day free trial. Cam, uh, host and training, anything, uh, anything to add to the Amazon conversation? I was going to say it's been interesting chatting with uh, Elliot uh, during the C-suite event because obviously they launched so many brands so fast. Um, and I remember chatting Clifford with you like ages ago now at the office about 
creative. And I'm, I'm curious if you guys can talk to like the value for both us as an agency and brand owners, the value in working with partners who are able to produce and edit content, like at the, vol- at the volume that we do and like the impact that it's had on like the Unilever brands. Yeah. What's nice is one of the difficulties I think you run into a lot if you're starting a new brand is you have a very distinct lack of content. Like you'll have like a product photo or a render even, not even a real product photo. And our team has actually come up with some like pretty amazing ways of using some combination of stock photos or some, I don't even know the magic that happens in the graphic design space of some of the things they come up with, but like we'll literally give the team like, here's all we have. And it's like one product photo. And I come up with nine amazing listing images um, pointing out all of the best features using context-specific imagery and amazing colors, and it actually looks very consistent and coherent. Basically building the brand from, like, a product photo and, like, the imagery on a box. Uh, that's not easy to do, and it's done in, like, a week sometimes. It's kind of insane. What's the volume like? Because I know, I know the never-ending beast of meta, right? You're feeding it all the time with fresh creative image. What's the sort of ongoing like velocity needed on Amazon? Is it just sort of seasonality changing? Is it sort of constant A-B testing, Rob? So it really depends on what's going to move the needle. And this really goes back to a lot of what Jacob said in, in the previous podcast about pilot program is the way we structure our model and our deals is we're free to go and do what we need to do that's going to move the needle and actually drive results. We don't charge an onboarding fee for brands and we don't include like, you'll have five listing images and one A plus content per month because I want the creative team to be free to create the assets that they need to drive the results that they need. So if we need 20 listing images, let's run through them all in AB test. If we need 30 A plus contents, like let's, let's test them. Let's figure out what's going to work. Let's iterate. Um, the actual volume is a lot lower than meta. Um, you don't have that creative fatigue and creative burnout that you see um, through rapidly scaling ads. So it does say if you're performing well and things are really dialed in, your conversion rate's in a good spot, then you might only switch up small things and just like do the odd tweak for, for that just little improvement because that little bit of improvement every time, every test ratchets up over time. And doing seasonal stuff, I would say it comes down to identifying where the biggest needle mover is and then focusing on that from a testing perspective until everything's dialed in, then you've got seasonality and incremental testing. You've got quite a few clients now, I know. I know the Amazon team has grown. Our pilot house has grown massively and I know the Amazon team has been a big, huge part of that. Rob, what does the uh, pilot house Amazon roadmap look like for onboarding new partners? My super broad strokes, 30, 60, 90, is month one setup, month two testing, month three scale. It gets a lot more nuanced than that, uh, obviously, as you take on a brand. But from a broad stroke standpoint, that's a good way to think about it. It's like we got to, regardless if you're already on Amazon or not, the month one is like really digesting that data, learning your product, learning the niche, learning how we're going to make this work. Month two, gather data, test ads, test new creative, like what's working, what's not, what can we lean into. And then month three is like doubling down on the successes. Obviously, if someone's right on Amazon and we do an audit and their advertising needs optimization right away, we can do that in the first week. So it does change, but if you want broad strokes, that's that 30, 60, 90. What about if if there's brands that are listening to this who are in that process, maybe not perfectly in the 30, 60, 90, 
But is there any like red flags or checkpoints that you would call out um, where you might wonder, okay, is this agency partner doing the right thing? Or, you know, is, is there any red flags to look out for during that process? Usually like velocity is going to be big. Like if that onboarding process during that onboarding process, like ultimately like you want information dumped on you from your agency, like you want constant updates. Like if you're having to pull that and like, you don't want to feel like you're being or having to pull your agency along. Like the agency should be behind you, pushing you uphill, being like, this is what we're doing now. This is what we're doing now. Um, as well as from an advertising perspective, just ask them like what they're doing for like optimizations and changes because a really, it's really easy early days within an advertising campaign to set it up and just let it gather data for a while and be like, oh, we need more data, we need more data, we need more data. And to a point that's true, but you can make very quick optimizations very early within a campaign. And also, so if they're not making optimizations or they've just plugged it into an automated software and they're not doing any manual changes, and then ask about the uh, spread of spend. So if they're sp spending like, 90% or a large percentage of advertising on auto campaigns. It's like they just didn't want to do the work of the keyword research. Our, a very small percentage of our spend is auto because you can sidestep that, have a lot more control and a lot more scalability with through manual campaigns. And auto is great to use for prospecting, but it should be prospecting. It shouldn't be a massive percentage of your campaign suite. Clever, I don't know if you got anything, anything else to add to that. Yeah, no, that's a big one. And it's what we see a lot of the time when brands come to us from another agency is typically there is a fairly large over-reliance on really broad matching things and not a good separation of campaigns or data in a way that make any sense. And so like there's not a good granularity to things where you could say like this spend came from branded. Like I would bet a lot of people could go to their agency right now and say, how much are we spending on branded on Amazon? And a lot of them can't answer that question. And even if they can, they can't answer it actually accurately because I would bet there's a whole bunch of branded bleed through of search terms in auto campaigns and in broad matches that they're not actually accounting for. It's, it's a really good point because a lot of campaign suites, when you jump into it, the performance and the return looks good, but it's all branded. And you should spend on branded, but you should spend on branded more efficiently and different than you're spending on everything else. And if it's not segmented, you can't do that. So yeah, ask your agency how much it spends on branded. See what they say. Saucy. I like to manifest on this podcast. I'm still working on manifesting Ryan Reynolds to come on. But Clifford, you mentioned like niches, some niches being harder than others. If if there were clients in our audience, uh, potential clients, future clients in the, in the D2C podcast audience, like what kind of client would you be super psyched to bring on? Are there any niches that you're like, oh yeah, it's just, we could just crush a client in this one. It's actually anything kind of unique that I really like. Like um, a good example of like different brands you could think of is like Vessi, for example, has like waterproof shoes. That's their whole thing. It's different. It's a little bit different. They're normal looking shoes that are waterproof. It's a different little neat aspect. Liquid water, or liquid, what is it? Liquid death that you drink, Rob? Liquid death. Yeah, liquid death. <laughs> they put water in a can and it's different. It's a little bit different. Like these, these different touches and these little bits, I think add a lot. I'm excited to find something new and have it take off. Like that's fun. It really depends like where the brand's at, like, and what their goal is for that brand. I would say, um, they're, they're all exciting. And I mean, to Clifford's point, like those ones that can stand out and have a unique niche, like have a unique aspect 
in an established niche that has search volume. Like that's kind of a perfect balance for Amazon where it's like, there's something that makes you different, but you can capitalize on this existing volume. And then you can just... Yeah, if people don't know they need it yet, it's not going to do you a lot of good. If it's a brand new product that nobody knows about, it's like, what are they searching? That's that's yeah. something you run into with truly, truly innovative products that ultimately, if you're in that space, it's like you've got to build that market and you've got to build that market through a disruptive, disruptive platform. Um, once you've built the market, then you can capture it on Amazon, but you got to build it first. Very cool. Cam, were you going to add anything there? Yeah, the last episode, Clifford, you called a Lululemon to talk about manifesting. That was what we published June 3rd. Uh, I don't know if we've got a call yet from Lulu. So if you're sitting on the Lulu team, let's go. Nice. Um, so Rob, you've kind of built this team up from the ground up. So congratulations on that. I want to know, like, I, I have a good sense of how uh, the, the teams work on the paid social side. But when clients come on the Amazon side, what, what are their touch points? What does the team that they sort of inherit look like? Yeah, so it's actually quite similar to the paid social side of things, probably because I, I came through that model and, and uh, quite liked it. But on the Amazon side of thing, as a brand, you'll have always have three direct people on your account. That's a lead buyer, a support buyer, and a content manager. The lead buyer is in charge of all things sort of strategy, advertising, overall direction of the account. The support buyer is there to assist that assist in all of those things. So all the advertising, general strategy, backend listing support, titles, bullets, keyword research. And then the content manager is your creative person. So they're in charge of asking themselves every day, how can we improve performance through creative on Amazon? In addition to that support team, uh, obviously we've got the backend design team. Clifford here assists on or oversees the strategy of all our accounts from a high level standpoint, ensuring that we're bringing our best foot forward on every account and always using sort of the newest strategies and, and what's working best. Uh, and then of course I'm here for, again, that higher level sort of uh, partnership level support. And then, then you've got the pole of pilot house behind us as well. So the, the alignment teams, the partnership teams, the operations team, but for direct point of contact, it's always three uh, plus Clifford plus me. Worth, worth actually worth noting too. Like if you are in that bucket of, of, uh, brand who is sitting there with like a really shitty product render we do have production services who can make much more than just a single product render it can do a full suite creative package for brands looking to improve their listing images work with a much larger library of content yeah that's a that's a great point cam it reminds me too like uh we're currently exploring some more collaborations between teams so specifically like meta to amazon traffic google to amazon traffic I just spoke with our head of email, Jordan, this morning about potentially building out some email Amazon packages where we, that we could use for launching new products or launching new lines or capitalizing on customers that have sort of gone dead or gone quiet on the list. So segmenting those out and directing them to Amazon as a final sort of conversion point. Low a lot friction. Of That's interesting. Using it as like a final really low friction conversion point. Exactly. Yeah. Just because Amazon does have that ease of purchase and that, that trust. Whereas if someone's sat around in your email list for a while and doesn't have, maybe doesn't have that trust in the brand, but they do in Amazon, they want to give it a try. It could be a conversion point. That's all sort of a lot of that's fairly early stage, but it's it's something that we can do because we we have all those teams, we have all of that, those channel experts. So really trying to bring them together to create the best possible results is um, something that's really fun, and something I'm excited about going sort of through Q4 into Q1 next year. So uh, if you're listening to this, you're ready to take flight on Amazon, just go to pilothouse.co, fill out a form, 
and uh, you'll be working with uh, these geniuses pretty shortly. So uh, super exciting. Thanks for coming on today, guys. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Thanks. See you later. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're not getting the D2C newsletter, you can subscribe for free at directtoconsumer.co. And if you want to learn more about Pilot House's all-killer, no-filler services, take off to pilothouse.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.